Hi everybody and welcome to today's webinar. My name is James Faulkner and I'm joined today by Simon Corkwell aka Evil Knievel. Uh, Simon will be taking your questions in just a moment um, and today's session is pure Q&A so we're just going to rattle through as many questions as possible. Uh, I'm sure Evil needs no introduction but for, for the benefit of any newbies out there, Simon is one of the best known traders in the UK having made £1 million from shorting Northern Rock during the financial crisis, among many other great successes along the way that are far too many to enumerate. <laughs> um, so, yeah, please keep your questions coming during the course of the webinar and we'll get through as many as we can. So to kick off then, Simon, just to set the scene a little bit, um, give us uh, your take on the state of play with, with the markets at the moment. I know um, investors seem to be a little spooked at the moment by the, um, the, the rise in inflation. Well, funnily enough, uh, for some uh, weeks I've been taking the view that although inflation is inevitable because of the ridiculous levels, I say ridiculous, uh, unprecedented levels of government debt, uh, I thought that the uh, the inflation would, would, would roll over into increased equity values uh, because an equity is an inflation hedge. But the, the fact is that I think it's, uh, people are starting to wonder whether the return of inflation means a rise in interest rates. And this is the fear of the rise of interest rates that has caused people to sell off shares. So, I, in answer to your question, uh, I don't, I don't agree with the sequence in which this, uh, these movements have occurred, but I think they are occurring, and as ever, uh, I remain uh, bearish. As you know, there's an old saying like, uh, "Sell in May, come, uh, sell in May, and come back in on Ledger Day." Uh, you're a Yorkshireman, James. You know perfectly well what Ledger Day is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's not tomorrow, as in Ledger de Mer. <laughs> the fact is that it's, uh, I think, I mean, I, I, I see that it's going to be determined by America, where clearly inflation is returning. And uh, therefore, uh, the way around this is to hold back from buying and um, get out those shorts and buy the gold. I increased my gold, physical gold position by 50% this morning at $18.18. When I last looked, it was $18.13. So I'm afraid I got my timing a bit wrong. But now that Elon Musk is giving up on the Bitcoin, which, uh, <laughs> well, that's what he's doing or says he's doing. Uh, and so it, I, I'm hoping that at last the great unwashed uh, will be declining. I to myself. <laughs> well, I don't know whether you have or haven't had a wash. I can see that you haven't had a shave. But the fact of the matter remains, the fact of the matter remains that I suspect that if they won't buy Bitcoin, they will buy gold, but, and particularly as an inflation hedge. On the topic of Bitcoin, we have had a question um, about Bitcoin, just asking what, what your take is on the whole thing. And the, the whole I have thing. never understood it. Um, I have never understood it. 
as you know, I and my wife run a very small accountancy practice. And about five years ago, uh, a young man who'd been told by his parents to hang on to my every word said, uh, should I buy Bitcoin at $500? <laughs> I said, no, it's a scam. Well, he hasn't come back to complain or issue a writ or something like that. So the result is that uh, I still can't believe it. I really can't. Uh, and I, I don't want to do it. But you, I, you have been involved to some extent in the, the whole crypto thing, haven't you, Simon? Because um, you, you were involved with Clear Leisure, which is... Yeah, which is, as you know, has changed, its, has changed its name to the immensely cumbersome quantum blockchain technology. And I haven't rung up Francesco Gardin to congratulate him on the absurdity of his new name for the company, but it's, it's terribly modern. I just said, well, you have to refer to the company as Quablot. <laughs> anyway, uh, he doesn't. It's, I, I, well, the ticker code, as you may have noticed, has changed from CLP to QBT, which I suppose is terrifically modern. But anyway, uh, I, I, I'm uh, flat on QBT, and I'm not going to go in for a while. Uh, I'll speak to Francesco, I hope, in, in the coming uh, weeks and months. And uh, if the next phase of his ideas seem to me to be coming along, I'll um, get greedy again. But uh, I can see why people stayed in, that's for sure. Yeah. I know you hold uh, Francesco in high regard, don't you? I certainly do. I think not merely is he honest, I think he's very intelligent and industrious. He comes from uh, the northern part of Italy. You see, in the north of Italy, as you may know, they're, they're not really Italians, they're Germans. <laughs> and I'm, as sure, I'm not sure they would, uh, they'd like to hear that. <laughs> well, they are Germans. Uh, if you, if you, you know, if you walk around, um, say, Venice or something like that, particularly the railway station, you will see these porters who are physically fit and industrious fellows, and they're Germans. You just look at them. They're none of this sort of Maniana business from the South. It just doesn't happen. And he's, uh, Francesco is a, a highly intelligent, civilized Northern Italian, or as I could think of them, Germans. <laughs> so anyway. Okay, um, well, first read a question. Um, can Evil give his view on the UK housing market for 2021 and 2022, please? And that's well, from I, Wood Wilson. I have got this wrong, as you know, since 1985. <laughs> <laughs> and I still can't get it right. Um, I'm sorry to say that uh, a member of my family, uh, contrary to my advice, has um, insisted upon buying with her husband a property. And uh, I, I've had to issue money to assist her in this matter. Uh, it goes against the grain, as I know it's wrong, but anyway, there you have it. Actually, the answer to that is 
they're going up, but I don't want anything to do with it. I don't believe in it. I mean, presumably at some point, you know, interest rates will have to rise. And then at that point... But, but that's the least... Like the down, isn't it? <laughs> it only requires uh, the, uh, the government of the day to issue planning permission quickly to see values brought down. At the moment, their calculation is that if they hold back from issuing planning permission, uh, they'll keep values up and thus keep their voters. That's, that's what that's their thinking, you see. And um, I just think that'll have to come to an end. Governments seem to be quite good about sort of quite good, you know, we're talking about planning permission um, reform, but they never actually get round to doing it. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they're obviously, well, obviously, Johnson is an obdurate liar. So uh, he could say everything. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. An undertaking from Johnson is worthless. Okay, next question from Brian Pearson. Um, does Simon still think that Watchstone Group will win their case against Price Waterhouse? Oh, I've not. I've never passed the view that uh, Watchstone has a claim against um, PwC. As I think I may have mentioned to you, I was myself articled to Cooper Brothers and Co. Uh, some 55 years ago. And uh, Cooper Brothers became part of PwC. So in a sense, I have some affection for the old dog. But the fact of the matter, the fact of the matter remains that Watchstone has presumably had highly qualified lawyers explain to them that they have a claim against PwC. And on the facts, which have been freely published, there is a case to answer. Why it can't be dealt with right now, I don't know. Uh, I mean, presumably there will be a confidential settlement without admission of liability, I would think. Uh, but as to when and to yield how much by way of damages, I don't know. But I'm absolutely staggered that uh, PWC could ever be in the position, in effect, to be classified as having betrayed its clients. That I find amazing. Sad, it's saddening, really. And just in terms of, of Watchstone, what, what are we left with, with, with the rump? Because, I mean, there's not yes. much there anymore, is there, I don't think? No, no it, it's, 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 just, it's just disappearing. Um, I don't know what else there is, but there's a bit of cash there. Yeah. There's the PwC claim, and I, there's another thing that I don't know. I, I can't. So it is a bit of a binary play. It, then, certainly, yeah. as I mentioned in the diary, I tried to hoover up all the watchstone that would, would automatically come on the market uh, as uh, watchstone moved over to the Aquis exchange. Because uh, in effect, and that's unquoted. Uh, anyway, the fact is that I didn't get any. But I put in an order for 100,000. So if there'd been any loose stock, um, I would have got it, that's for sure. Okay, moving on to a question from Michael Patterson. Has Evil got a view on Pantheon after his successful sale at 45p? And I'm 
presuming that's Pantheon, the oil company, not the private equity company. <laughs> uh, I think so, yes. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say this too loudly because one will promptly be sued for defamation. But uh, <laughs> a, a good friend of mine who's a good judge of these things and has followed the Pantheon story from day one uh, has always taken the view, not always, he has come to take the view that the utterances of the management of Pantheon um, are not reliable. So, therefore, I'm, if I'm wrong about their oil prospects, uh, then I'm wrong. But uh, I wouldn't buy them myself. I wouldn't buy them. I thought you were going on to say that you're a terrific fan of oil shares like Jersey Oil and Gas. Well, I've never understood Jersey Oil and Gas. I think it was derived from a company called Trap Oil, which I, where I lost a lot of money. But the fact is that um, I've gone on buying Jersey Oil and Gas. I think for the last count, I think the family had about 200,000, something like that. I mean, I just, I can't remember. But the, um, you know uh, Malcolm Graham Wood? Yeah. And his Malky's blog. Now, incidentally, he was the cousin of a client of mine who sadly died uh, 22 years ago of cancer. But I've never met Malcolm. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's, he's an honest bloke. Uh, his difficulty, I think, is to switch from expressing a view which he thinks will interest readers to uh, producing uh, what is really little better than public relations pap on behalf of companies he's encountered along the way. So one has to be very careful with what he, he says or writes. But that said, I think it's he who's uh, mentioned the seven or eight hundred pence price target, as indeed has uh, Simon Thompson of the De uh, the Investors Chronicle. And I greatly respect Simon. He's, he's very, very good. And um, so that's why I've decided to hold on to the uh, the jog uh, shares. And um, I may regret it, of course, but... And, and what's your take on the whole um, oil and gas scene at the moment, Simon? Because... I don't think I don't. Hundred dollar oil again, aren't they? Yeah, I, well, it may be that temporarily, but I think uh, I don't think it. the problem is in for, in the longer term, oil is in serious financial trouble. So anyone who buys, as I have been buying, an oil share uh, is taking a considerable risk. They better get their timing right, is all I could say. It's all about timing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, question from Shantha Samarag. Um, I'm sure I've probably got the pronunciation wrong, so I do apologize. Um, what is Evil's view on Golden Prospect, please? And that's the uh, the small investment uh, uh, trust, isn't it? Well, yes, it's quite so. Well, Family Corkwell owns 2 million shares in it and they're about 57p this morning something like that but i remain as i think i mentioned earlier hugely bullish 
on the gold price. And therefore, to me, uh, Golden Prospect remains the perfect responsible equity hedge in uh, gold equities. Um, it was established by my friend Richard Lockwood uh, when he established um, New City uh, Investment Managers and he sold the business out to uh, Sir Dudar Hintz. I can't remember his first name. I'm not on intimate terms with Hintz, so, but H-I-N-T-Z-E. But uh, Hintz is, a, is an absolutely respectable fund manager. It's a, huge, it's a huge business. And he's got a couple of investment managers handling Golden Prospect. And I really don't see how uh, investors can get a better deal in gold equities. I mean, you know, these chaps know what they're doing, whereas most people may, may think a gold share attractive. What they can't do is compare their selected gold share with other gold shares, which of course is a very important part of the art of invest, investing. So in answer to your question, do I think Golden Prospects are by? Yes is the answer to that, provided you're keen on gold. As you know, I am. And I seem to remember you uh, you had some of the, the subscription shares as well, didn't you? Did yes, well, those... Well over a time. Yes, those hung about the market and uh, people were short of cash when it came to subscribing. So they were selling these subscription shares but I just went on buying the subscription shares. That's why I'm taking the holding, the family holding up to 2 million ordinaries. I just got more and more of them. But uh, it, uh, I, I, that's all right. I don't know whether they will issue more subscription shares. Um, yeah, if they want to, they will, no doubt. But uh, at the moment, the share price is at a small discount to net asset value, and therefore, I think they probably won't be issuing subscription shares. But I may be wrong about that. Um, next question from David Evans, and it's about Amigo Holdings. Oh. Um, so, at the time you recommended them, you were aiming for 20 to 30p as a price target. Um, can you give an update on what your position is likely to be going forward? and therefore also providing some guidance for those that jumped on board alongside you. Well, well, this has been, it, it was a long-standing chum of mine who drew my attention to the state of affairs that was emerging. And I'd never understood Amigo, but then I started to think about it. I didn't jump immediately, just for once, I didn't jump immediately. <laughs> I gave it a day's thought, you see. And it was then that I um, said, this I must have. And so in round terms, Family Corporal bought 5 million shares at 10p. And uh, I think we're now sitting on 4.5 million, uh, which I think when I last looked about 25p this morning. Now, what's interesting about this is that for some for some reason, the scheme of arrangement in practice has got to be cleared by the judge 
next week. Uh, is it Monday or Tuesday? I can't remember. But whatever it, it is, uh, for some reason, those uh, knights in shining armor, uh, so seen if you're drunk, uh, the FCA, are sending in uh, counsel to put it to the judge that the scheme of arrangement needs changing because it's not fair to the creditors. Well, all I can say is that the creditors have had now months to come up with an alternative scheme of arrangement. And the FCA has never offered, of course, to pay anything towards its costs. They never do. All they do is just spend the money of investors. That's, the, that's, their, that's their function in life. Anyway, the, I think they're dreadful people. I really do. I think that's absolute scum. Anyway, the fact is that um, uh, council will stand up next week in the court and the judge will have to decide whether he uh, dismisses the original scheme of arrangement or whether he supports the all those who voted for the scheme. And in fact, those who voted are roughly 95% of those voting and 95% by value of those voting. And so if he cancels the scheme, there's going to be uproar because those who, who perfectly consciously voted for the scheme will lose their claim. Everybody will lose their claim and Amigo will be bust. And the fact is that um, in these circumstances, uh, I can't imagine how society's interest would be served by setting the scheme aside. It would be ridiculous. So I, I, I actually, for those reasons, I regard uh, the shares as a buy now. I'm not going to buy any more. I mean, I bought another 200,000 after the announcement. Uh, on Monday, and I paid 26 pence. Um, but I, you know, I've got it now. Assuming everything does go to plan, I mean, what what is the long term upside? Is is this just kind of, you know? Well, there are two aspects. Play or well, I've heard it put around that these shares go to 40p once the scheme has gone through. But you have to. Uh, assume that certain things for that to happen. As it happens, I think it, it probably will go through and the business might be valued. <coughs> I'm so sorry. It might be valued at 40 pence a share in the market. But what I think is also interesting is that Amigo can engage in other forms of lending as well. And I think that's the uh, the hidden bonus that might emerge. And then the share price will not necessarily stop at 40p. They may go very appreciably higher in due course. And uh, take it on from there. You see, one has to accept that guarantor loans are not, in a sense, very nice people. But if grandson goes to granny and asks for a guarantee, 
for a loan of £5,000, uh, carrying interest at 50% per annum, she could always say no. And she has to have it explained to her by Amigo as to the risks she's taking, etc., etc. And she can do it. But if you don't have some system of providing finance, um, the fact is it goes down to unlawful lending, which can, in practice, uh, tend to be supported by extreme violence. And society will have to make its mind up. So all those MPs who are anti-guarantee loans uh, are going to, they would under those circumstances, have to answer uh, for their own prejudices. And they, and because they're irresponsible, they haven't said anything at all. They're just MPs. Okay, next question is, is from Phil, Phil Pickett. Um, it's, Since your enthusiastic recommendation of Caribbean um, investment holdings yes. a year ago, uh, the shares have spent a long time in the doldrums and are currently down 30%. Would you fill your boots at this stage and why? Or might it be time to consider running for the hills? Well, uh, personally, I'm not, as you put it, going to run for the hills. <laughs> I, I'm not much good at running. I've, <laughs> I've, I've got, um, I've got. Well, the family's got quite a percentage of Caribbean holdings. And this is the the Lord Ashcroft um, company, isn't it? Yes, unfortunately, I've never been able to meet the noble lord. And um, <laughs> but anyway, he's. Uh, I think. Uh, I think. I mean, there are certain factors which is that what is, has been the effect of COVID on uh, Caribbean? And, and there are no figures yet published to show one way or the other. Personally, I think it's a mistake to sell Caribbean. I can understand people being disappointed. But uh, if, as I hope, uh, the business is right uh, and that the government of Belize will have a favorable or reasonable commercial climate for Caribbean, uh, then I think the shares will go decisively higher. But I, I mean, I, I'm gambling, as you know, I am a gambler, and I'm quite prepared to run the risk. You know, there you have it. And there was quite a significant dividend, wasn't there, last year? Yes, of five pence a share. Yeah. And I got, into, got it into my thick head that they'd repeat the dividend. Well, that clearly isn't going to happen from day or two at any rate. But you know, they're making a lot of money. I suspect they're making a lot of money. And uh, the fact is that uh, another dividend will be paid. I mean, one of the problems is that because Belize is intellectually a third world, you, you've only got to have a politician trying to get a few votes who decides to make it difficult for Caribbean. That's, that is possible. But on balance, I think it's a risk worth taking. And I hope the government of Belize will be sensible. You know, you don't forget, they still owe um, Caribbean 
and then it's been put over into midway investment, hasn't it? Now, the uh, a, a vast amount of money, uh, and uh, they still haven't paid. I, I think it's absolute folly uh, for for Belize simply to refuse to pay a judgment debt that's been litigated to the highest courts in the world and they still don't pay so it's, it's very unsatisfactory really and is the end game for this company's um you do you think that um lord ashcroft might take this company private at some point uh no i just thought not and uh, i think there is an argument they're having a public quotation so investors and, and also many others can have a look at, at the valuation of the vehicle where, for instance, they're depositing money or they are going to do business with. So I think on balance, uh, the noble lord will keep this quoted. Don't forget, he, uh, he's got a huge percentage of the equity, it's about 90%. So in a sense, there's no advantage for him to be quoted. And then on the other hand, the quote gives the company a shop window for how it's getting on. So I think they'll keep it uh, keep it quoted. That's my guess. Um, another one that's not done so well lately, um, REA Farm Oil. Um, that's asking about that one. Does the, uh, does the Indonesian government have too much control? Yes. Well, the... <laughs> Funnily enough, I had uh, the boss, Richard Robineau, uh, over to lunch in December. And on the very day as we sat down to lunch, uh, the Indonesian government uh, announced that it would um, uh, have this very heavy export levy uh, charged, uh, charged on exports of palm oil from Indonesia. I mean, to me, it's a scandalous amount to take out because right now, all that I thought would happen should be happening. It should be the case that uh, REA is, ma is making an absolute packet, but unfortunately it has in effect to suffer this huge swipe uh, by the Indonesian government. Indeed, it's so great a swipe I'm almost minded to to fantasize and think that the swiping is unlawful. Mm. It's ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, I'm afraid we are where we are. Would I buy the ordinaries here? Uh, the answer is I, I personally probably would, but it'd be silly to say there's no risk. Uh, however, I'm holding very tight to all the preference shares. Uh, they have announced the other day that they intend to pay the dividends, the current dividends, in uh, 2021 and uh, make a start, perhaps, on paying off the arrears. Well, I was going to say the cumulative preference shares as well, so that, you know, they presumably have to pay all the, the, the arrears before they can start paying an ordinary dividend. Oh, absolutely. There's no question of paying an ordinary dividend. The business is in the in the control of the preference shareholders. There's no doubt about that. It's very, it's very interesting technical position. A friend of mine, as it happens, 
is working on the refinancing of REA. But it's, a, it's, it's not as though the business itself is in a bad way. Actually, they're doing extremely well. Uh, but the fact the palm oil stocks have been doing quite well lately, haven't they? Oh, yes, they have. Yes, for instance, um, uh, the family's got quite a lot of MP Evans shares, and uh, they're largely unaffected by this. I mean, they are affected by this export limit. The share price isn't. So my inclination is that um, the Indonesian government may be more reasonable in the future. Uh, as regards to taxation of REA. And once that is resolved, it'll be possible to think in terms of refinancing REA. But I don't see any point in refinancing it at the moment, because all that's happening is that the life has been sucked out of REA by the Indonesian government. Well, you know, they might choose to do, do that, continue to do that, after the company's been refinanced. Um, one that's um, that's of, of great interest to a lot of people is uh, your short in Tesla. Um, are you still short? Asked Michael Wood Wilson. And um, am I still short? Loss? Is the Pope Polish? <laughs> 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 the, fact, the fact is that uh, I still think it's a screaming short. In fact, I've increased it, and. In the last week or two, things have gone pretty decisively my way. Well, that uh, one must have hurt for quite quite some time, I would imagine. Yes, <laughs> I, I, yes, I had to put up five hundred thousand pounds. Quite a few margin calls for that one. <laughs> You're quite right. Uh, it's not easy, you know. My bank, which is Halifax PLC, uh, will will only let me pay out twenty five thousand pounds a day. Right. Well, that's all very well. But if the demand is for £75,000, you have to ask the broker to hold on to the following day and then the following day, uh, three lots of £25,000, which, which is a nuisance, actually. I may add that that's not my only complaint about Halifax. I've had this account with Halifax for 30 years. And the fact is that it all works extremely well and extremely economically, save in one respect, uh, which is that if you want to pay uh, foreign exchange, the rates of exchange which they enforce upon you, should you choose to use Halifax, are very unfavorable. I mean, I sent £10,000 off to Australia about nine months ago, and uh, there were the usual charges, you know, snivel this and snivel that. And it was 4% uh, on top of the £10,000. So it was £400 for a transaction which takes them uh, at most 15 seconds to do. And uh, I think Halifax's behaviour has been just disgraceful. They always try to put it across in their advertising, that they're friendly, reliable people. And in a funny way, uh, they are, because the bank charges generally made by Halifax are nil. So why people complain about that, I can't imagine. 
It's just that when you want to use them uh, for a forex transaction in the manner that I have here described, you've got to switch the money over to a company specializing in dealing economically in forex. But I don't know this company. I don't know what its balance sheet's like. It's not regulated and controlled. And I just find it very tiresome that Halifax, in effect, insists upon stripping one's money out. But they do. And I'm hoping that eventually um, there'll be sufficient complaint from the public to cause <coughs> all the banks, not just Halifax, to change their attitude. <coughs> just to bring you back to the, the Tesla question, um, Simon, um, what's what's your oh. price target for Tesla now? Well, I, when I last looked this morning, it was about $580. Uh, I should think uh, I should think about $50 would be closer to the point. Really? Yeah, I do, because there's nothing there. Yeah. You know, there's nothing there. It just can't be justified in the long run. Uh, I know the, the big car manufacturers are kind of catching up a bit now, aren't they? In the EVs, they are, yeah. and of course, don't forget, Tesla's not making money at the moment. That's not making money. That's just stumbling through the foothills of the competition, competitive climate that they are now increasingly fa facing. Um, question from, in fact, more of a comment actually, from James Hipwell. He once um, had a lunch, lunch with you in the early 2000s um, and you wagered over £200,000 on the horses during the course of the lunch. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's asking, as you've, as you've gotten older, has your appetite for this kind of risk declined or has it expanded? So a bit of a... Well, it has. It has. I, as you know, I'm a gross man. But the fact is that uh, and I, I still like to have a thick bed. <coughs> For instance, about uh, a fortnight ago, uh, I put £25,000 on a horse, which I'm pleased to say won. Uh, I only won £30,000, but I'm not complaining. It came up very satisfactorily. I'm still prepared to have a go and uh, take it from there. And, and any big races coming up that we should be aware of, Simon? Well, I don't know why you, a Yorkshireman, uh, should be uh, looking, overlooking the fact that today is Dante Stakes Day at York Race Course. But anyway, uh, well, as you know, it's quite, I haven't... Amateur when it comes on. to horse racing, but I'm <laughs> just relying yeah, on your advice. I can tell you, you've got a lot to learn about <laughs> horse racing. So uh, I've got nothing to say about today's card. Uh, yeah. And I'm sorry to be so disappointing, but that's how it goes. And we've got a question from, I think it's Philip Smalley. Um, and he's, he's been buying UK house builder shares as a hedge after selling his house last week. Yes. Um, he doesn't want to miss out on a continued house price rise before I rebuy next year. I see. Well, a comment it, and a question, well uh, that's a funny way of looking at matters, but if that's what he wants to do, it's a free country. I just thought that he, having 
got out of this madness, he should go down to the boozer for a year and stay there. It'll be much cheaper. Yeah. Um, and um, just, a, just a question from me, uh, Simon. Um, I know you like to invest in lots of you know, individual situations that are often quite speculative. But just for those of us who kind of like to take a bit of a back seat and, you know, park their money in something that they can kind yeah. of not, not check in on every other day, um, what, where would you point people towards in well, the climate, given that you're I, I, I did bearish on everything, apart from gold? <laughs> this very problem uh, was considered in the diary a few weeks ago. Uh, in that I have a personal connection uh, to this matter, which I'll come on to in a moment, but because of the FCA, there is no economic service in the analysis of investment trusts. They refuse to allow it to happen. And uh, of course, it's scandalous that these petty bureaucrats should have their way but they do. And the fact is that uh, I like to buy investment trusts as long-term investments, uh, provided I feel properly informed. That's not so easy. However, uh, I have a friend, Alan Miller, who with Duffy were at June Investments. And John Darfield fell out with Deutsche, who controlled Jupiter. And so Duffield and Mugger, Alan Miller, better known to his chums as Mugger, um, went off to form a new uh, fund management group called New Star Investment Trust. And uh, New Star Investing, you may remember New Star. It, it, in the end, it got into trouble. But the fact is that uh, uh, Mugger managed New Star Investment Trust, which is extremely conservatively managed. And to this day, John Duffield still has something like 70 million pounds tied up in it. And his, which is about roughly 65% of New Star. Uh, and uh, the, man, the manager of the fund is Duffield, Brompton Asset Management. And if you look at the announcements, you'll see that net asset value of New Star is about 175 pence a share, whereas you can buy New Star Investment Trust at 135 pence. And so I bought about 400,000 pounds worth for the family. Uh, but this is a long-term investment. This is certainly not one for, say, next year or the year after, because Duffield has made it perfectly plain that he's not going to buy back the equity of Newstar, and it'll stay there until he's dead. And so, and he, he, as far as I, when I last saw him, uh, other than the great interest uh, in sex, He's perfectly fit. And the, fact, the fact is that Duffield, uh, Duffield uh, 
will see it is properly managed until the day he dies. What happens then, I don't know, but I imagine the non-executive directors will arrange a chain transfer of control to some other chap. Uh, but I think as a long-term investment for people who really must uh, leave it alone, at least, I mean, it could easily be 10 years. Um, the fact is, it's a terrific investment. I think when I last looked, the shares were something like 129 to 135. I, from memory, I paid 128 or something like that. But I, I don't even, I don't even think about it. The next question uh, follows on quite nicely from that, and it's it's a bit of a personal question, so don't feel like you have to answer this one. But I've often, um, <laughs> uh, oh, well. Or I hope not to disappoint you. Uh, well, it's from Peter Lewis, and Peter asks, um, if I'm not being too nosy, Simon, what is your succession plan for your family portfolio um, when that distant day comes to pass? <laughs> when, I, when, I peg, when I peg out. Um, you leave it under active management or transfer it into passive or more conservative? Well, I, I'm going to... Uh, I, I told my uh, elder daughter, Lucy, who's a very intelligent, uh, self-controlled person, um, that she is uh, to put a notice on the dealing line. And when the brokers telephone, uh, she's just to say, uh, go or something, something yourself, <laughs> because I'm not interested. I mean, brokers talk such amazing rot uh, <laughs> when they come up with investment ideas. When they do, I don't know what it is, I, I suppose it's upbringing, I suppose, but they, <laughs> you just don't listen to them unless you're crazy. It, you must understand that the FCA have made it impossible for an intelligent man to work in the stock market. They've stopped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so presumably, I'm guessing, you, you, you know, investment trusts are, are quite a good answer to that question. Yes, I think that is so. Otherwise, you're dealing in special situations like, for instance, Amiga. Yeah. But you can't expect, I can't expect my widow to have to cope with Amiga, can I? Um, next question is from um, Nandlal Chabria. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, your view on Amrit, please, Amrit Farmer. Well, I was a bit disappointed by the takeover announced uh, for, in respect to Chiasma. Um, Sounded a bit pricey, didn't it? Well, I was hoping that Amrit would stand alone and fly alone. But the fact that the directors of Amrit have agreed to take over Chiasma on an all-share basis, um, means that they can't think the shares in Amrit are particularly uh, overvalued. Sorry, undervalued. They can't think that. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made a bit. But I haven't sold any, and I'm not going to sell them either. I think, we'll get more, I think we'll get more juice out of this in due course. It's just it's not coming about as quickly or in the manner that I had expected. Um, question from Malcolm Sweeney. Um, does Simon have any views on the hydrogen market? And if so, does he have any comments on ITM and powerhouse energy? I wish I would have a view if I were to know what's going on. 
but I don't. <laughs> no, I bet the answer is I don't know. So, uh, un uncharacteristically, I intend to be modest. <laughs> yeah. Somebody suggested to me that the, the hydrogen sector is in a similar position to what the, the technology sector was back in the early 2000s. <laughs> well, perhaps that is so, but I'm not in a position to, um, to know. I, I mean, I just don't know. Somebody's asking for your comments on sarium holdings. And I don't, I'm not sure, I don't think that's one that you've uh, been involved no, in. No, I, I don't know what goes on with sarium. No. Uh, holdings. Uh, I, I probably have stayed clear to ensure that I don't feel sorry. <laughs> go on, <laughs> go on. Let's. I'm sorry. I can't help. <laughs> does Does Evil have a view on UK tobacco companies um, at relatively low share prices and the usual high yields? And that's from well, Davis. The performance of the tobacco companies has been quite extraordinary over the years, because this problem of uh, cancer through uh, smoking or various diseases through smoking has been identified for many, many years now. So it's, to me, it's surprising that the tobacco companies are still motoring on, but they are motoring on, and, but as to where they are on the risk reward scale, I. I simply don't know. Yeah. Um, question from Philip Rapport. Um, does Evil think N Brown will be taken private in view of the majority family holding? And it's a very, so what would be an acceptable price? It's a, it's a very interesting point. Um, I, I was put on to NW, N Brown uh, by a chum of mine, Andy Bruff, who runs the Shredders. And I hadn't realized just how cheap they were. Mm. Now, what I hadn't realized was how online shopping has been such a runaway success in recent months. But uh, given the way, the, the way things are going, I think Ann Brown is a screaming buy. Yeah. However, I still take the view that one should um, have a view about the quality of N Brown's goods. And this is something which men, that includes you, uh, cannot judge because men are poor judges as to what women like in clothing. <laughs> uh, <I>, right there. <laughs> well, it, it is, it's a strange thing, but uh, women know what they like and men don't. And so I, I'm not in a position to look at N Brown's shopping window and say, well, that's jolly good. I just have no idea. But they must be doing quite well. And they are making money. And uh, I think it'll go on having a public face as well. I'd be surprised if the... Um, I should be surprised if the... Uh, Brown gets taken over. After all, that has been a possibility for the Alliance family for, for years and years. And I say, why would they change the position now? After all, they could have taken over N. Brown 
at around a third of the current share price. Well, they, they didn't do it. They just went on subscribing for new shares and so on. So it was 57p, I think, from memory. I think there were 72p this morning. And I think uh, Alliance will go, they will go on doing it. I tell you, Sir Davoud Alliance is a very tough individual because I came across, I know this, because I came across him about 20 years ago. Uh, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he, he lives fairly close by, as it happens. And um, he's a little chap. And he's, uh, he was where he just come back from the races. And uh, his top hat was almost as tall as he. <laughs> anyway, I don't, I don't mind. It's what, that's what he chooses to do. It was, it was Ascot Week. But of course, these people who go to Ascot are not attending the racing. They're just there to do deals. And <laughs> it's nothing to do with racing at all. Whereas presumably you're there to do both. <laughs> no, you can't do both. <laughs> uh, and in fact, it's worse than that. Um, to do the job properly during Ascot, you have to have a paddock judge phoning to you how the horses are, are appearing in the paddock. And uh, once you're satisfied on that, then you can really start investing. Uh, but the market in, in our modern race courses now is so weak that it's just a waste of time. Uh, Liz G is asking for your thoughts on Fever Tree, and this is one that you've been a perennial bear <laughs> on, isn't it, Evil? Well, I still, I still find it ridiculous that some uh, flavoured water should be, <laughs> should, should be branded fizzy water. Isn't it? Ever heard of Coca-Cola? They did pretty well. <laughs> well, that is true, but I think that's what uh, catches people's imagination. The, but the idea that Fever Tree can ever hold its position strikes me as crackers. So anyway, perhaps I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, question from Taha Dohadwala. I hope I pronounced that one right. Um, what's, your view on, what's your view on FTSE companies, uh, the bigger international ones in the FTSE 100 and the more domestically focused companies? I mean, oh, a lot of people have been yeah. saying that UK yeah. stocks are cheap, aren't they, in comparison with... Uh, well, I think the UK stocks or UK quoted stocks may indeed be cheap by comparison to, say, America. But that doesn't mean to say that I would rush in and buy them. But as you know, I don't do big stocks. Uh, I, my view is one should fish around where the value lies, and it's not in big stocks. So there's your answer. I mean, I just don't know, and I don't. I don't see any point in trying to find out either. Just going back to the investment trust angle, there, Simon. What about the the big uh, investment trusts that invest in the in you know in the the FTSE one hundred that type of thing? Is that are they worth holding on to for just as a source of income mean, at the moment? You mean, because you mean Scottish Mortgage? No, I'm talking about you know like the the big ones like City of London. Um, merchants that just invest in these these FTSE 100 companies well, and uh, turning out an income, are they, is that worth looking at at the moment? I, there's no point in asking me, I simply don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a view. 
Um, next question, and this is an anonymous question. Uh, moving on to politics, what's the view? What's what's Evil's view on the Scottish referendum uh, potentially in twenty twenty two, and its impact on the markets? Well, I don't know about the impact on the markets, but I must say I, I think Nicola Sturgeon is hugely deceitful because it's impossible to have a vote on the Scottish independence unless various matters are clarified. For instance, if Scotland is independent, that presumably means that the £2,500 per annum per person subsidy from UK central funds, that's presumably stopped. Now, let's be clear about that, that in a family of four, that's £10,000 a year. I mean, that's a lot of money. That's the first point. The next point is, right at the moment, HM government has got a vast amount of debt, much more than it had a year ago. And the fact is that Scotland might like to waltz away from paying its share of this debt, but the fact is they can't waltz away. So as a result, Nicholas Sturgeon should explain what Scotland would do if faced with this debt. And then finally, there are many Scots who think they're entitled to an old age pension. Who is to pay this pension if the British taxpayer in general is no longer responsible to pay that pension? Now those are three central points. But Nicola Sturgeon uh, is someone who fancies power more than telling the truth. And I'm afraid, until the Scots tell Nicola to grow up and clarify these matters, nothing can happen at all. Okay, I think we better draw to a close at that point. We're running out of time. So um, thanks very much for answering everybody's questions, Simon. I'm sure we'll have you back again at some point soon to uh, answer a few more. <laughs> it's, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so you can see on the screen now, these are the, the upcoming events for Master Investor. Oh, yeah. um, and um, just to say to everybody, um, please do complete the survey, which you'll, you'll get sent via email um, shortly after the end of this webinar. And um, don't forget Master Investor 2022 on 19th of March. So put that one in, in your diaries. Um, and thanks very much for, for joining us. Um, and hope to see you next time. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.